welcome to episode 12 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. And today is April 4th, 2019. Thank you very much to all of our listeners, old and new. We hope you will continue to make us something you put on repeat. Um, And a special thanks to listener Trish. She is an old friend of ours. um, Hi, Trish. Just found our podcast. And I think she's a few episodes behind, so she might not hear this until the future. Um, She said very many lovely things about us on Instagram, or she sent us a message on Instagram and on Facebook she published, published, posted. So we wanted to say thank you. Feel free to contact us anytime. Yeah, we love it. (laughs) And we should also say hi, since we're saying hi to people we know, Mm -hmm. to Auntie Margot and Auntie Rita, who are fascinated with your knitting. Oh, cool. Thank you. They want to know all about your sweaters. All right. Well, we can talk about that. In a little bit. And, like oh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wait till we get to the appropriate thread. I have a couple more things to chat about before we get there. We are now on Spotify and Pocket Casts. What are Pocket Casts? It's a pocket a podcast feed. Yeah, if you don't like using one of the branded things. I think they get their content from Apple, so that's how we slide on there. Any of the other feeds that get their content from Apple, we should be on there as well. Um, although it's out with a group of women and one of them had something, I forget which one it was, but I couldn't find us on there. So we're not on all of them, but we are getting there. Worldwide you're, domination. You're making all of that happen. I'm trying. Like magic for me. I just show up here every other Thursday with my list of what I've been doing. And then Monica puts it all together like, uh, it's magic, frankly. Oh, thanks. Oh, and today is apparently tell a lie day. No. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't understand Are you all. Se- Really? Yes. I'm so excited all of a sudden. Okay. Out Why? Because of my book. Oh, okay. It fits in? It fits in amazingly well. Excellent. Uh-huh. I didn't understand that. I mean, we just had April Fool's Day. Why we need another day? And people seem to be doing things sort of like obvious lies. I came across it on the uh, one of the library websites, their Twitter feeds that I follow, and they their thing was they posted a picture of empty bookshelves and like we only have one book in our collection and no one can check it out <laughs> like ah just kidding you know see these are people who have a hard time with the one day like the like the one first day of spring it's a whole week like okay. let's transition right. so, so let's, this is for you yeah. <laughs> this is for the people who have a okay. problem with hard and fast all right perfect <laughs> so something that is not a lie we will be doing kind of our usual sections today on the needles, on the easel, on the table, and on the nightstand. And we will also, within on the table, have a little extra helping discussion of what we are looking forward to cooking for spring. Because we are, yeah, we're there, sort of. We've been getting a lot of rain. We had a really nice weekend, and then we've been back to this drizzly rain. Although the skyscapes have been amazing. It's the been, clouds. And I don't mind the rain. It's less fun when you have soccer. Well, you, your kids have baseball practice. I still don't care. Okay. All right. Good for you. <laughs> All right. On the needles. Knitting. Yay. Are you are you knitting? I am knitting. Well, I have finished objects. Oh, I have updates first. So the sweater that I finished last time, so much knitting. When you finish Wait, a sweater. Mm-hmm. The sweater that you finished last time was this, the yoke skull, sweater. the skullless and boneless sweater. Yes. Okay. With the swirls. I was a little concerned about the fit, but I blocked it. I'm much happier with it. Uh, there was a photo posted on Instagram. I... We should say that we have a separate podcast Instagram account. 
Yes. For people who are just following either Monica or me, we have a craft, cook, read, repeat Instagram. That you can go check out all of our... So not your art stuff for the most part. No. That's still on your personal, but all of the, the food, the books, and my knitting is all on there. And the episode... And the episode announcements. Yeah. So that, I was super excited about. It definitely fits better. It's still a little wonky. Um, and the blocking also really softened it up. It's super... Blocking. S- super lovely, but it's definitely it's too so warm. Great. <laughs> so I have to wait again till the summer. Even till today? Even for today? Yeah, it's definitely... It's pretty heavy. I mean, it's a DK weight, so it's thicker than... Yeah. It's not, it's not a light sweater. So, but that's okay. It'll be super comfy cozy when I... Get around to actually wearing it. And I was listening to another podcast, the Yarniacs podcast, and Charlene just finished a yoke sweater. And she said it fit her wear too. And she said she's always had this problem, like extra fabric up top, which is kind of the issue I was having. So I want to chat. I'm going to, I think, see her next week. So I want to kind of have a yoke sweater <laughs> chat. And this is my first one. So I don't, you know, so I didn't know yeah, what the issue was. And she says she's knit a couple of them. Kind of the same thing, like they fit totally fine through the bottom, and then she had some extra fabric going on, so, and I just don't know enough about that design to figure out what the problem might be. So then the next update, which is also a finished object, is about my lefty shawl. You're all lit up. I love it. I love finishing things, and I didn't think I was going to finish it. You were wondering last time why it was called a lefty shawl. Yes. And I sort of jokingly said, well, maybe it's because it's leftovers, and it actually is. I went and read the description that she wrote, and that's, she said, you well, can use your leftovers. You know? I'm so smart. <laughs> so, yes. Although I did not use leftovers. It was a kit. So, did, yeah. So and this, you excited. blocked on your jasmine bush? <laughs> that was not blocking. That was just oh. decorative photographing. Oh, okay. So, I was trying to finish it. I started it because, uh, for a knit-along, the imagining knit-along from Imagine Landscapes, which was, the idea was you take a pattern that you've been wanting to use or yarn that you've been wanting to use and actually go ahead and knit it. Yeah. Um, so I'd had this kit for a while. I want to say three or four years, which means it's probably more like five. <laughs> and I started it off and then I got involved with the sweater and some other things. So I was sort of only half-heartedly doing it. And then I finished the sweater and I had about a week left to the knit along ended. So I thought, well, you know, I don't think I'll finish it, I'm just, but I'll see how far I can get. And then, you know, I'll make progress. And I do want it done. This is such a great color. I love the gray with these grapes and magentas. Yeah, the yarn is from Miss Babs. And it's the Yummy Sock Yarn? Yeah, Yummy Fingering. And a gray slate is the main color. And then she called it red. So it's in aubergine, ladybug, mahogany, ruby spinel, and tulipa. I like those names. So reds, purples, reddish brown. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really pretty, and you do gray in between and then kind of lines of color with leaves sticking off the end. So it was a really fun knit. I was thinking I wasn't going to finish it, but then I looked at it. It's like, you know, this is actually getting to be a decent length. I pulled out the pattern pictures and counted how many leaves she had on her sample. Yeah. And I think she had 29, and I was at something like 23. It's like, oh, well, so that's not too much more. And I, I think I ended up with 28. No, it's got to be more than that. 30, maybe. Because I did yeah. uh, even number repeats of the colors. And it worked out. And I have a little bit of yarn left over, but not enough. And I'm not entirely sure that I could have gotten a whole other repeat of everything out. Um, so now I'm still blocking, uh, blocking, weaving in the ends. There are a bajillion ends to weave in. So. That's my favorite part. Really? You want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've, I've got a, 
I just have to sit down and like watch TV and do it or something. But yeah. Oh, it's so pretty. So yeah. So I was excited about that. Oh, the other reason, the other thing I knit, my other finished object, two, two in one show, is a cowl for my sister. It was her birthday. And I actually finished it before I did the shawl because the birthday was a real deadline and not a self-imposed one because I was going to see her. So I did the Willow Cowl, which is by Amelia Lyon. And I used a self-striping from Desert Vista Dye Works on a DK base. And the colorway is orcas with the seal, with seals, the whales, <laughs> not yeah. seals. So uh, it's got stripes of black and white. And I'm going to say lavender and lilac. They're purpley. The one's more blue, one's more purple. And the pattern was actually for fingering weight. So I did, yeah, you can't really see it there. We're, Instagram we're in, I'm inspecting the, the orca colorway. Oh, that's beautiful. You can see the stripes better in the picture on my Ravelry page. So I had to do a little jiggering with the numbers to make the DK work. Although then as I was playing around with things, I realized she has also done a DK version of the pattern. So, but it <laughs> did was Did it fine. match up to what you... I didn't look at it. Okay. It was a paid for pattern, I think. So there was a couple things I changed. Hers has a Pico edging, edging. on both mm-hmm. sides and I didn't feel like I wanted to do that. So I didn't. So it's kind of stockinette and then some lace and then really simple lace and then stockinette. And then, so when it squishes down, it all kind of gets extra squishy. <laughs> That's not a really good description. It's pretty. It has great movement. Thanks. Yeah. So it was fun. It was pretty easy. Um, and I just did a couple rows of ribbing at the top and a nice stretchy bind off. And I think she liked it. So that was fun. Good. And those, those are my finished projects. And then I started a sweater, although not for me. Um, we have a new baby coming in the family, not my personal family, my extended extended family. So I started a garter stitch baby kimono by Hohi Locatelli. And the yarn is Three Irish Girls Adorn Sock, which is a 80-20 merino nylon. And it's probably my all-time favorite sock yarn. It's really, I find it pretty durable and it's really soft and nice to work with. Well, that's a, that's high endorsement from you because you I knit a lot of and socks. your family, you knit yeah. a lot of socks and you guys wear your socks. Yes. I will say, well, Simon blows through all of his socks. He needs, really? he needs a super hard wearing do yeah. you do you ever mend them? I have tried, but he usually I will not catch it until it's so blown out that it's like a whole. Have you seen the thing. the visible mending hashtag on Instagram? Yeah, it's not even the but like there's just the hole itself is too big. <laughs> like I haven't figured out how. I think I need to figure out how I work his socks so that I can. I've started doing more afterthought heels so that hopefully I can just rip out the heel and redo it. Oh, like a Teflon with Teflon yarn. Yes, or just, you know, <laughs> he wears out the one I've got, so I just re-knit a new, whole new one, even if it's... And he's, I knit them in pretty tough yarn, so like tougher, harder wear. Oh my goodness. So I've got to work on that. But he's got a, a decent amount of socks now so that he doesn't... That was part of the problem is he would wear like one pair, kind of just slippers oh. the whole time. Oh, okay. So every day. Um, but so it's a really light gray. I'm not entirely sure... The baby sweater? The baby sweater, yes, sorry. Back to the baby sweater. It's a really light gray. On the tag, it said the colorway was Smoke on the Water Whisper. But if you go into Ravelry, when you type in colorways, if it's a regular occurring colorway, it'll usually pop up a list of them. Mm -hmm. And so Smoke on the Water is on there. And Whisper is on there. Probably. I didn't look for Whisper, but there's no... So anyway, it's a very light gray. Yeah, they live in kind of a major city. She's a little more stylish. So I want to do something kind of simple and elegant. 
classic. They don't know what they're having, so I've got to figure out the button situation. I'm thinking maybe a yellow. I have so many buttons. And actually, I have a lot of buttons, too. So I'll need to work on that. And that one I also have to finish. Now? She is due any moment. Yeah. And they are going back to see her in a few weeks, they being my husband and one of our kids. So I want to have the sweater to present. And I've got the bottom half done, and now I've got to the buttonhole, so it's... I can't just, I have to take a few minutes to make the buttonholes, not that Maybe you need to come up and shop buttons if if you don't have any that fit the bill. I need to look at them and go shopping them. Although it's interesting, and I'll have to show you the pattern. So it's a wrap, like a kimono wrap. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the pattern has anything for the inner half. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure out, because I feel like if the baby's wiggling around, it's going to droop down because the buttons, it crosses over and then there's a button on the outside. Top. You could do like a clear snap. That's what I was, something yeah. like that, yeah. Like a bigger one. Either an inner button, add an extra buttonhole. I saw some people did like an I-cord edging and mm-hmm. a tie, but that seems really complicated with a baby. A baby, because I'm making it for the fall mm-hmm. since it's March or April now. Oh my gosh, it's April. I know. I feel like they won't really need a sweater for a little while. I'm trying to tie something Yeah. on a six-month-old just seems like. Not a good idea. So that one should be done soon, hopefully. And uh, yeah, get some button shopping in. And then whole world of project possibilities, which I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh. I mean, I'll start a sweater for me. Right. But then, you know, who knows what else could happen. (laughs) So many choices. Sounds good. So little time. All right. And that's all my knitting. Well, socks. Still working on the socks. Teflon socks. Teflon socks, yep. We have babies coming too. Oh. Identical twin baby girls. Oh my goodness. Due in less than a month. Wow. So on the easel, I painted for their nursery and it was so much fun. I did, um, I had a little intel that the the couple who are my husband's cousins really love otters and owls. And so I did... Oh. I did a river otter, although I should have thought maybe it was a, a little okay. sea otter. But anyway, they were open to all otters. So <laughs> I did nice. an otter and an owl, and she, I guess she really loves rainbows. And so their background is all rainbows, and it's Aww. super cute. And I framed them, and they came out so great. And then I presented them at the shower this past weekend. Nice. Speaking of knitting. Remember those on your... I put them in... I saw them somewhere. Just in my stories, I think. Oh, okay. I waited till after I gave them to them. The grandma-to-be had knit a sweater. Wow. And so when they opened it, I said, there's only one. <laughs> I think she started it before they knew they were having oh, twins. Okay. And like me, well, she's definitely a faster knitter than I am. It was the most beautiful colorway. It was that like blue-green that I oh. adore. And she knit it. It's more like for a, a, maybe an 18-month-old. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. and Which is fine because you go to a shower, you get a whole bunch of right. newborn stuff, and they grow out of that in 30 Four seconds. seconds. Uh, metal and Tosh yarn. Oh. You would nice. highly approve of this sweater. In fact, I would like one in my size. It was just beautiful. But you I did... have t- a Madeline Tosh sweater in your size. You just <laughs> have to finish it. Monica. Sorry. It's a different color. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Anyway, it was really fun to paint for the babies, and it was really fun to frame them up. Mm-hmm. And there's something about putting your art behind glass that makes it... Super fancy. Uh-huh. It has such better posture. So that was behind the scenes 
last week. Nice. And I wrapped up the oil painting class. Oh, right, right. Um, and that went really well. I feel so much more comfortable with oils. In fact, it was hard to switch back to gouache this week for my 100-day project. Yes. Yeah. I've been seeing that. Not too bad of a start. I had a, such a busy week, so I haven't really done what I wanted to do. I wanted to do more detailed stuff, but it'll come. There's, you know, 98 more days to go. So you, Yeah. Marathon. Mm-hmm. Not a sprint. Yeah. 100-day project. That's my... And what color did you start oh, off with? So I'm starting off with yellow. Because we talked a lot about pink last time. We did. And I thought I was going to um, start with pink because of like a, more of a rainbow spectrum. Mm-hmm. But then when I was playing with my color wheel and thinking how I wanted to structure the whole thing, yellow seemed a really great place to start. It's the top of my color wheel, the one that I have in my art room. What I like about it is... Then I can move through the oranges and reds and purples, which are not my favorite, and cycle my way back around to green and end, yeah, and end on green, which I love. So it felt like um, like a less rainbowy right. approach, and I am noticing so much everywhere I go, driving through the neighborhoods or walking around the grocery store. I just I'm particularly drawn, you know, like everything is catching my eye. And I pulled out a cookbook from my cookbook shelf. Mm -hmm. It had a yellow spine, so I pulled it out. I haven't pulled that cookbook out in two years. It was like a luscious lemon cookbook from a cookbook author up in Sonoma. There's a great shortbread recipe in there that I wouldn't have, you know, it's just making me, I love when a project percolates into the rest of my life, you know, because then it makes me... It just makes me feel so alive. And, you know, I was looking for a yellow bracelet to wear because I don't have a lot of yellow clothes. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be good for me to put on yellow and walk around with yellow on and see how sure. that feels. And I ran into a friend of ours who promptly after seeing me, she went in and got a yellow manicure and then <laughs> posted her yellow manicure. So, hi, Yvonne. <laughs> so that was really fun, too. It's just these little connections. I think it's easy to forget about color. But then when you're hyper-conscious of it, I think that it's making me really conscious about how different colors jump out at me. And it'll be interesting to see how that evolves as the project evolves. And maybe I'll get tired of it. I don't know. But right now, I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm pulling together all of these little bits of yellow from around my house. And I'm going to lay them all out and take a giant picture of it. And so, yeah, that's what's going on. The easel. Busy, busy. Yeah. I did some painting. No way! Yes! So, for my sister's birthday, because that's why I made the cow, she got a bunch of friends together and we went to board and brush, um, which, so it's kind of like pottery painting, Mm -hmm. the new thing, but you're painting on wood and it's, they have different projects, like you can choose, a lot of it is signs for your home, so like a welcome sign or a hoppy Easter sign. They have clocks, they have trays and containers and all these things. So when you sign up, you pick a project. And they had, I think, like 65 or something that you wow. could, it's crazy. So all these scents. So then you go and they serve wine if you want, obviously. Um, but you start <laughs> off with your project. Your project is there. You check it out. You can have it, pers- some of them you can have personalized with your, your name. My sister did um, a coat rack because she really needed one for her hallway. So it says, 
welcome home and has their name and then I think four hooks um, and it's huge it was maybe four feet wide really big so you start off by distressing it where they have hammers and meat mallets and you bang on the wood for a while and then you do some sanding around the edges and then you stain it you get to pick your stain they have a bunch of different colors um, and then you put Mod Podge on it to kind of seal the stain a little bit mm -hmm. and then they have the stencils and you peel off the sticky part and flip it over and stick it onto your wood and then you get your colors and you can paint and there's also like over finishes you can have I don't remember what the names are but <laughs> so there are all sorts of different they have a ton of samples around so you can get color ideas and whatnot and yeah so it's pretty fun it's I would say not my aesthetic so it was a little I don't know we're not a house with country looking oh signs. yes I see what you say yeah um so I did a tray with kind of a flower border and in the middle it says cheers that's out in my kitchen right now um so the cheers I did it was like a dark I think it was a walnut a dark oh wow a really dark brown stain and then the cheers is in white and then I did kind of a blue ombre picked like four different shades of blue and it turned out pretty well for my first time I would say that's awesome so it was fun I think the ones like my sister's was just a couple of very clean words whereas the flowers were really intricate so it was hard to get the stencils to stay in place so the the paint kind of would sneak under a little bit so my right, edges aren't yeah. as crisp whereas if you just have you know a word like welcome in sharp block letters I think it was a little bit easier to to yeah. get it to work but it was fun seeing what everyone else made made and what yeah. colors they chose because I'm I'm a very sort of classic color not anything too crazy my color sense isn't that advanced right so I'm like all right uh blue and white I got it and <laughs> um but this one woman in our group she did like her background was all orange and what did she do maybe brown and like the color her color choices were just amazing gorgeous wow. and I you know That's I would cool. have always been too afraid to pick yeah. that so it was really it was fun seeing what other people I have did. to say I'm afraid of color a little bit too which is why I'm doing this on oh, okay. project well I'm afraid of orange and red but you like yellow right I like yellow. Yeah. It's a safe place to stay. So that was fun. I liked it. And the people that were working there were super helpful. They were doing samples. They would come around. They were very complimentary of everyone's choices, <laughs> which was really nice. And they would make suggestions as well if you weren't sure and help you out. So it was a really nice experience. And I think they have several of them. I don't think there's one in the city yet, but definitely all over the, the suburbs. So, But there were probably, I mean, this was a Saturday night. Fun. And there were, I want to say like 45 people there. Wow. So it was packed. Yeah. I mean, it sold out and we got our spots three or four weeks ago. See, so it was... Yeah. Everyone loves to paint. They do. They do. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. On the table. What are you cooking? What am I cooking? I've still been cooking from the Smitten Kitchen every day. Cookbook. So I've had so to add much that so that to my you, collection. Yes. yes. I have returned your copy to you and mine is supposed to be arriving today. So I mentioned, or Auntie Margot who's mm -hmm. listening, had asked me if there was more than one. And so I have to say that I love the everyday one more than the first one. The original, one. yes. And yeah. I would agree because I've had the original one for a very long time. Yeah. And I rarely use it. Right. So this one that we are endorsing so heavily yeah. is the Smitten Kitchen Everyday by Deb Perlman. Yeah. So it is definitely more everyday doable yeah. but great lots of vegetarian options yes yeah that was especially why I went for it is her vegetarian section was really I cooked so many things out of it that was the mushroom shepherd's pie yes that was what started it and then I did a bunch last time and this week I did caramelized cabbage risotto 
which was quite good. So like caramelized onions, but you also added some cabbage and caramelized them, which because I didn't really fully think through how long caramelizing cabbage takes or onions, because you do both of them and then you add them to the risotto at the end. Because it takes, you know, 25 minutes or so at least to Did you do get a purple caramel. cabbage or green? Green. We love braised so cabbage, good. like pur- braised purple oh, cabbage. Yes, so that's delicious. That would be really good in it too. Um, and then the other one I did was the Dutch baby pancake, but a savory one. So have you made that one? I've never made that one. Have you made a Dutch baby for breakfast at all? I don't think that's, so. Okay, so that's how I grew up with it, was a breakfast, kind oh. of a sweet one. And I've done that for the for my family as well. So it's kind of like a crepe pancake combo and you make the batter um, and you throw it in a hot pan and bake it in the oven and it puffs up and it's beautiful and then you can put whatever powdered sugar lemon juice my mom always served it with um, sauteed apples Mm. I think she maybe even baked them all together I don't know anyway it was delicious Um, and I'd started and I found a recipe for a breakfast one like a big sheet pan breakfast one. Oh, good for, because all I have is a cast iron that can go from stovetop to oven. Yeah, that's what... Okay. Yeah, if you're just making it for your family, you probably just use that. This one was kind of a... brunch A brunch, yeah. But then somewhere, I found one for a savory. They're like, it's kind of a pancake. Like it's, like, it's like a crepe, right? So make it savory and serve it for dinner. And this one was so rich. And Ooh. she serves it with kind of a mushroom saute, throw some cream in there cook it with parmesan on top and it was really really good and you look at it and you're like oh, it's gonna be so light and it won't be enough it was totally enough that was really delicious so that was really good and i did oh i'm looking at the picture that one, of it yeah. that is beautiful and she did it in a cast iron yep. so i'm all set yeah and i did um she had a, a chickpea soft-boiled egg spinach bowl with romesco sauce mm. that was good that one was the first time i've made one and i really didn't feel like it was enough for four people because it was like one egg and 10 ounces of spinach, which that cooks down so small. Yeah. It was a little, it was kind of a thought. It was more of a lunch portion for my people. I know. Um, I need the whole field of spinach. So, yeah. So it was good. Oh, and I think, yes, and I served it with steak for the boys. <laughs> and I had a little bit of that too. Um, and it was, it was delicious. And it made a ton of romesco, which I really liked. And she doesn't put bread in hers. I think a lot of it usually uses bread to thicken it. And she said she didn't. So that was... Very helpful for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had a bunch of leftover romesco, and I served that. I made uh, roasted potatoes. Good. I'm glad yeah. you worked your way through that. I'm yeah. glad I sold you on it. I am very excited. So now I get to go back through it. Yeah. Do it all again. How about you? Well, along the whole rice bowl thing, mm-hmm. um, because it's asparagus season here, mm-hmm. I did do a brown rice with quinoa. Whoa. I know. I mixed them up. Crazy. Which... I think, like I've said, it just needs a little oomph. So I did it for us one night with roasted asparagus and just a simple egg. And then I put this sauce on the side, this special sauce that we'll put a link to in the... And is that from Trader Joe's, did you say? No, it's oh, from... Um, that's it's, why I couldn't find it. On Whole Foods. It's in. It's at Whole Foods in Molly Stones. Oh, okay. But we'll put the link to... Oh, the specialty sp- markets. Specialty market sauce, okay. yeah, but it's um it's a nut based sauce, so it's right. no dairy, no gluten, and it adds a nice little kick to it. Okay. What kind of egg? I just do like a folded egg, you know, kind of an omelet. I just beat the egg and then put it in a little egg pan, cook it till it's 
you can flip it. Okay. I, I call that a folded egg. I don't know what other people call it. But not like a fried or soft boiled. No, you could do you could do fried. My husband will eat egg in any form. I am very picky about I in fact I'll cook it, thank you. You know, I don't want anyone else to cook an egg for me. It's a personal thing. It is very personal for me. I cooked a whole salmon for that baby shower. Wow. I was a little nervous because normally I just make, you know, a big piece of salmon for us, but I cooked the whole I'm sorry, the whole filet, not a whole entire fish. Oh, okay. Still. So, uh, you know, it filled an entire cookie sheet. Wow. I was a little bit nervous about it because it was for a baby shower and it right. was my responsibility. So... And you have not done this before? I hadn't done a piece that big before. Right. But, I, you know, I cook salmon all the time and I cook it the same way pr- pretty much. So I get the salmon, I rinse it off, and I dry it really well. I leave mm-hmm. the skin on. And then I have salmon tweezers. Um, and so I feel, I feel up that filet <laughs> and um, make sure that all the bones, you know, I tweeze out the bones. This mm-hmm. one didn't have any. It was great. And then because this was for a baby shower and she's been, I think a lot of pregnant women are sensitive to onions. I didn't do, sometimes I do shallots cook it in there with shallots. Mm-hmm. But so I just did a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper, and then I laid out like sprigs of dill on top of it and then Ooh. super thin lemon slices. Mm-hmm. And then I wrapped the whole thing in parchment and I did it at 375 for 17 minutes. 17 minutes. This this thing was like almost two inches thick. And then I just pulled it out and left it wrapped in the parchment mm-hmm. on the counter and let it cool down that way. It was perfect. Nice. It was, I was so relieved. It was nice and flaky and it did not dry out and it had great flavor and it was fresh, you know, springtime salmon with the dill and the lemon and... Well done you. Thank you. And then I put it on a nice white platter and brought it in like the salmon hero that I am. Yeah. And that was my contribution to the baby shower. Um, but I was really happy how it it makes me think, oh, I could do this for a dinner party. Like it wasn't yeah. a big deal. I don't know why I thought it was going to be a big deal. And that's how you usually cook salmon? In parchment, yeah. But usually okay. just for th- three of us at my house right. who eat it, not for 30. So how much or how long would you cook your smaller? Like 12 minutes. Okay. Or maybe even and if it's a one thin, piece. Yeah, I leave it in one piece because I think it dries out if you cut it. Yeah, same treatment. Like rinse, dry, take care of the bones. I used to just use a pair of needle nose pliers from my (laughs) toolbox. And, you know, after a few years of this, I thought this is maybe not the most sanitary. So I switched it up and got myself some culinary tweezers. Such a great And And that works great. Nice. Okay. You definitely need tweezers for salmon. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. You cannot do that without a tool. Those are my two real successes. I don't know. We had a trip. We had other stuff in there. So I guess I've just been cooking the same old, same old, nothing new besides those two things. Yeah. I've got a couple of crazy, I've got a not crazy week and then I've got a really crazy week where I was looking at my calendar and I think I'm going to be out every night for a week aside from the children's regular stuff. So I'm I'm already starting to kind of think how that's going to work. You know, what we need to do 
is batch cook some empanadas and just oh, have them at the ready. That would be good. And you need a gluten-free okay. vegetarian no. ones too. So what are you looking no. forward to cooking this spring? Asparagus, obviously. Yes. So my favorite asparagus recipe is from Food 52, and it is on their website, although I found it in the cookbook. It's called Absurdly Addictive Asparagus, and it is totally <laughs> true. And I think I made it, and then I made it for a dinner party, and everyone loved it, and it just, it's one of those things where I, you could probably do it with sort of not fabulous asparagus, but even better, because it's got so much deliciousness in it, including pancetta. Oh, well. So I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to make this work. Maybe just wait till he's out of town, because you can't really leave the pancetta out. I mean, Can I you pull you could. his asparagus out and he gets steamed it asparagus? All, and... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's what I would have to do. So I could do that because it's delicious. And you cook it all in there and then you use um, orange and lemon zest. Nice. And I think there's some other things that I'm not remembering, but it's it's delicious. It's a couple, I mean, it's a lot of similar things that you would usually put with asparagus, but a couple little tweaks like the orange. I think people usually think lemon. Yeah. The combo is really quite spectacular. Yeah. I could eat asparagus three meals a day right now. It is really good. I did it. I did it with pasta this week. I mean, that's really simple. But yeah, it's always always delicious. There, I have an asparagus strata oh. recipe, which is not gluten free nor vegetarian because I think it calls for sausage too. Mm. You know, strata, stratas <laughs> are. It's like a breakfast lasagna with bread. Instead of pasta, yeah. so bread, savory bread pudding, asparagus, I think bacon or ham, cheese, bread, asparagus, bacon or ham. Oh, you cheese. layer yours. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I do it in a loaf pan. Oh okay. And then you pour the egg milk custard mixture right. on top, and you put it in the fridge overnight and let it absorb yeah. everything, and then you bake this brilliant thing off in the morning, and everyone sings your praises. Yes. So, I have a great one for asparagus, but I haven't made it in a while. I would love to make that this season. That does sound delicious. We have one that we do, my mom always does for Christmas, that has chilies and sausage, but she chops up the bread and everything. It's like a, oh. a mix, so it's more, more like a bread pudding. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of, and we do it in a 9 by 11 pan, and we've had to do, I think we might be up to two pans now, because <laughs> there's a lot of seeding. And Simon gets his own separate one with the gluten-free bread. And I guess now, no sausage. Stratas are delicious. That one, your version, though. Especially the overnight. Yeah, overnight is the key, I think, to it. But the your version, chopped up like that, it could be almost like the stuffing dressing version of it, where you could toss in some cornbread and have those little pockets. I don't know. I love cornbread. But all of the, I mean, I just love roasted asparagus, so I will do that every single night of the week if given the opportunity. I'd love to cook shrimp scampi in the spring. I think that's when our shrimp is best here, don't you think? I don't know that we have a season, but I definitely, we definitely gravitate towards it in the springtime. And I use a recipe from How to Cook Everything by Mark Bittman. Yeah, I think I've used that one. That's a good one. Yeah. And then he has like a sh- or shrimp my way or something mm-hmm. like that right next to it, which is more of a maybe chipotle or Cajun spicing. Both of them are extraordinary recipes. I think shrimp are a lot of work. 
I'm fastidious. I like to clean them out all the way around. And I take the tail off because it's usually just us eating it. Right. I don't need it fancy. Um, So I do make that with tons of parsley, really fresh, nice parsley. And then melting potatoes from Smitten Kitchen with the new... I have not heard that one. What? Okay. Sorry. So I can't wait for your asparagus recipe and the melting potatoes are going to change your life because they're gluten-free and vegetarian. Nice. Is this a website recipe or is it in my... This is a website recipe. And you know what? You're welcome. All right. (laughs) So melting potatoes are really fast because you take new potatoes Mm -hmm. and you... Slice them really thick, like steak slices. Okay. So sometimes you can only get two slices out of a, you know, a good new potato. I get the bigger ones. It's all in a sheet pan in the oven, but you roast them off. You get them going with their seasoning on them. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through, you add like chicken stock and um, garlic. So and not entirely vegetarian. Oh, you can use vegetable stock, Monica. Oh, that's true. And I could probably use water as well. So, yeah, I don't think it, it would just be wouldn't as have good. as much flavor. But right, yeah. use vegetable stock. Or um, I wonder if I need to work on my vegetable stock. I just I haven't found a really you good make, one that yeah, I love. Yeah, you could make your own. We yeah. could do that one day. That would be fun, actually. But you could also do. You know what I keep in the pantry for thickening is like the potato leek soup that comes in. You know, it's basically just potato leek stock. You could add that to it. That might be really good. Yeah. I'll try that next time, actually. So you, for the second half of the cooking, mm-hmm. you add all of this. I line the pan with tinfoil so that it's got like a, a water bath almost. Right. That, and the potatoes are in it. So it's not a total pain to clean it up because yeah. then it the potatoes absorb all that liquid oh. and flavor and they literally melt. Wow. And they're so good. And my kids love it. This is a huge crowd pleaser. That does sound delicious. Melting potatoes. We'll have to put that in there. And then strawberries. Strawberries. And rhubarb. I don't know. Are you a rhubarb person? Um, I grew up with tons of rhubarb. All right. And I don't so much care about it. Mm. I don't change my mind. Change my mind about rhubarb. No, I think, I don't know. I love the, the, the tart, sweet combo that you get with the strawberries. Although I'll also do... Um, a rhubarb compote to serve mm. with like pork or salmon but you get that nice it's kind of, it's almost like a cranberry sauce right but it's yeah. the spring version of cranberry sauce that is a selling point actually because yeah. i like to do pork chops with like onions and apples in the fall yeah so maybe i and shallots and shallots rhubarb. and rhubarb and like red wine vinegar mm. i think i have and chicken stock I have, I'll have to show you, I have a whole rhubarb cookbook. What? Really? Series of books, short stacks. We talked about this back in the day. And I don't think they're publishing anymore, which I'm kind of bummed about. They did, so there was these short little paper books, beautifully bound. Beautiful covers. Well-known cookbook authors, food writers, um, and each one is about one ingredient. So they have honey, they have one on rhubarb, they had eggs, they had chickpeas, they had avocado I think I have five years worth of them they did about six per year if I can 
inject. And you can get them on Amazon now. You can get them on Amazon. But I would love for all my art friends to just search short stack cookbooks because the covers are like a graphic delight. Yeah. And they're all different. Yeah, they're all different. And they make me think of the... Yep. So they have a rhubarb one and they have a lot of savory recipes in there. A really good rhubarb shrub for your... Hudson Valley Seed Company. They do beautiful packages too. Okay, sorry. So, anyway, so the rhubarb one, lots of good things in there. Um, but my favorite cobbler recipe that I always keep an eye out for the rhubarb, which I haven't seen yet. I don't know. I feel like it should be here. Maybe I just need to go to a different store. Um, strawberry rhubarb cobbler from Fields of Greens by Annie Somerville. Okay. And I think she was the original chef at Green's Restaurant in San Francisco. So there's lots of good recipes in that cookbook, but the cobbler one, I love. It's like equal amounts of strawberry rhubarb and cobbler, lots of cream in it, little hint of orange. It's delicious. So that's, I like a lot of crumb. Yeah, crumble. it's a very cakey. Yes. Okay. Lots of cobbler going on, and you know, breakfast the next morning if there's any left, which is a little bit. That's my favorite <sighs> one. That sounds good. I do a lot of strawberry shortcake, Mm, usually after Easter, when the strawberries have sort of, you know, they're a little bit tart right now. But, you know, once they tip towards that sweeter side, which is still super early, because back east, I don't think you can get, you can't go pick until June. Maybe late. Probably not. I mean, it's not, I think they need some heat. The best strawberries I ever had were in November. What? Thanksgiving. I know, it was totally crazy. I had a farm box. And the guy was... Oh, from Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, the way the weather works for strawberries, I forget what it is, but there was some amount of heat that you needed, like heat and cold or something, and to get the sweetness. And they hit that in November. So in our Thanksgiving box, we got these amazing strawberries. So crazy. We we need to recognize that we are on a totally different growing season than the rest of the country. But anyway... um, Strawberry shortcake is definitely a late spring uh, recipe favorite in my house, although everybody eats it differently. So I make a biscuit from scratch, just a drop biscuit. Nice. That they aren't too, too sweet, but I think I do use cream in them to get them uh, for the the moisture. Mm -hmm. And then keep the berries really simple, and then I make my own, my own, did you see I drew you some Cool Whip? Yes, I did see the Cool Whip. I make my own whipped cream. My excuse for the Cool Whip last time I was thinking <laughs> about this is that I knew we would not get through the entire pie in one sitting, and I was worried that if it sat, that the cream would get all goopy and mess up the rest of it. Cool Whip will stay for a few days in the fridge. I hear you. And I was thinking... But no, for something like strawberry shortcake, I would do my own cream. Exactly. So my sister found this aerosol container that you just pour cream into, oh. And it it's like a ready whip can, except the cream that you want. Nice. I know. Don't you think we need this for Probably. our kitchens? <laughs> I feel like, yes, we definitely need to do a review of that. I am. Um, hmm. So, yeah, really simple strawberry mm-hmm. shortcake. But one of my children doesn't like whipped cream. So he just, what? I know it, he just eats the shortcake and the berries and the other kid doesn't like strawberries, so he just eats the shortcake and the <laughs> cream. And then my husband polishes off 
anything. I never have leftovers. No, I wouldn't think yeah. so. And I just, you know, make it. I like it too. Yeah. I like it too. But you're all eating it together, so. We are. And That's it's, not- you know, various incarnations. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> not liking whipped cream. Okay. I know. Uh, what you reading? On my nightstand, currently, is Kinship of Secrets by Eugenia Kim. I love the name Eugenia. It is a very nice name. And this one came out last year. I love it. So it's really hard to read. So it's the story of two sisters, Korean, and when they are one and two, the parents are moving to America for a few years to make some money, start a church, and then they're going to come back. So they decide that having two little kids is going to be too much. So they leave the one-year-old with her family, her brother, her parents, brother's wife, and they take the two-year-old. The Korean War. This is great. Yeah. It's so, so hard. So, uh, so it's the story of, you know, how they grow up separately. They're still in contact. They make it through the war fine. You know, everyone, everyone's fine, but they, they stay separated for a very long time. And I have just gotten to the part where the younger daughter is now going to move to America. Lots of cultural differences. You know, they're trying to raise the money to bring her there, but then they have immigration issues because... You know, they they came to the U.S. on a visa, but then the war broke out. So obviously they didn't go back to Korea. I know. It's just but then they lost their, you know, they didn't. And they didn't think about updating their immigration. So now they're illegal and they've got to, you know, resolve that, become citizens and then bring their. So it takes a lot. And um, they're sending care packages to the family. But even, you know, and even though the parents grew up in Korea, they, there's you can still tell there's things that they're not understanding about how life really is and her family isn't telling them all the gory details about what they're going through so it's just you're like why why aren't they and you're like well obviously that's you know I totally understand why they're not but it's just kind of hard to read but yeah so just the two sisters and they kind of know each other but through their letters but not really and the different cultural things they're going through and yeah Yeah. so it's and then like the Oh, my, our parents decided to keep me and leave you behind. I mean, it's yeah. just, that's just so sad, so difficult and heartbreaking. Yeah. And yeah, the mom, like, did she make the right choice? And obviously, and they meant to go back and that was their plan. And everyone thought they were going to go back and it would just be a year or two and not a big deal. And then craziness. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm interested to see how that's going to work out now that she is in America. Because, you know, she's, I don't know, she gets to be 16 when this happens. Right. I mean, that's that that's your whole life. It's hard to even if you were moved like my family moved when I was 16 and that was really hard. And I was with my family yeah. and that was just to a different part of the U.S. So to a whole new country where you don't speak the language and it's your parents, but you, you don't know you them. don't know them. So, yeah. And she's spoken to them twice. In oh, my whole, gosh. Like, that she can remember. So, yeah. So I'm really interested to see where this is going to go. And mm-hmm. it's a very interesting, very interesting story. And I finished Everything Here is Beautiful by Mira or Myra, M-I-R-A-T Lee. That was another sister one. I must have had a sister um, theme on my library. Yeah. Um, So this was the two sisters. They are Chinese-American. The younger one was actually born in the U.S. with their mom. Uh, The younger one has, uh, actually they never quite figure out what she has, but it's either schizophrenia or 
some sort of personality disorder. So she's in college, starts getting depressed. And so it's kind of how she's living her life and the sister trying to help her with it. And oh, and this is the one and it from different viewpoints. So part of it is, I think most of the book ends up being from the point of view of the sister with the illness, but you get her older sister and her husband or her husband and her boyfriend. There's a lot of immigrant issues as well. It's not just about her mental illness. And I think that's part of it. Okay. Um, There's at one point she says, I think something about, you know, she doesn't want to be seen as suffering from this. She's not suffering. She's living. She just has something going on as we all do. So yes, it was a lot of, um, you know, as her as an immigrant and then the other people that she knows are from, you know, living in the U S but then they go live in Ecuador for a while. And there was a lot, a lot of, issues moving pieces yeah so but it was really well done kind of made you think um so i'd recommend checking that one out and then i read the witch of willow hall by hester fox um this one had a lot of ideas as well (laughs) i feel like maybe she didn't need quite all of the ideas that she it could have used an edit a little bit it was it was very gothic okay um so it was Boston in the 1820s, and this family has moved to their country home because there was a big scandal in Boston and they couldn't stay there anymore. So it's mom, dad, and three sisters. There's a lot of foreshadowing, and the name is the Witch of Willow Hall. So um, they have relative that was, you know, killed at Salem in the witch trials. So like, hmm, they wonder if they have special powers. (laughs) Um, But it's very dark, and then there's all this romance going on and things going on and she kept kind of changing so I couldn't really get a sense of like did she really want it to be about her powers and her strength and her family history or did she want it to be the romance or then there's this whole other thing with the older sister going on like sibling rivalry there was a lot and I blasted through it I went you know it was not do you think this is the first book of a no no no. it was definitely it ended it was done okay um it might have been her first book though it just felt yeah it definitely felt like it needed an edit i mean yeah and maybe I, some thread tying yeah it's like you know take your time you're gonna you yeah. can write another book yeah. <laughs> like, you I don't see. have to get I all see. of your ideas in one book and then i read ritz and escoffier the hotelio the chef and the rise of the leisure class by luke barr which was so super fun i can't wait to hear about this one because don't i have a little add-on story about yes yeah okay so oh which gets back to our asparagus Uh so yeah so this is really interesting and i had read i think a historical fiction about escoffier's wife so he was a chef who kind of started modern french cooking and thoughts about restaurant cooking um and the idea of stations and and i guess before he came along people would you would each have one dish that you were in charge of so like even though if everybody was using the same sauce you would all make the sauce like all the different oh. stations, right? Or there's asparagus in three of our recipes, but you're in charge of the soup and you're in charge of the vegetable. So you're both making your own asparagus, which is kind of crazy. Instead of one person being in charge of the asparagus and then like yeah. someone organizing it. So anyway, so I had read some of this stuff. And Ritz was born a peasant in Switzerland. His parents never left their tiny town. And he went to apprentice with some family friends or an uncle in a hotel business. And they kind of, again, revolutionized the way you think about 
hotels. So things like the guest is always right and making sure that things are comfortable for them and anticipating their wishes, which you don't necessarily get anymore, but maybe you do at Ritz Hotels. I think Uh, you do at a Ritz Hotel. Yeah. So very high level of service. And the two of them came together working on, you know, Escoffier would be in the kitchen and he would manage it and put his imprint on it. So they went to London to work at the Savoy Hotel and changed it. Like there was nothing anywhere close Mm. in London bringing the wealthy out into public. They would always entertain at home or in their private clubs. Women didn't Uh really eat out. It was kind of when people were starting to travel more, so they needed a place to stay. Having the restaurant be available to the public and not just the people staying at the hotel was different. He had bathrooms in every room. Like you didn't have to bring your servant with your tub with your portable tub or go down the hallway because there was a bathroom in your in your hotel room. Elevators, so that all of the floors were equally accessible. All these things. And the Prince of Wales would eat there all the time. So it just, like, he changed everything. And then, so there's a lot of talk about the food and the menus and the way Escoffier designed his menus and the things he designed. Yeah, so if you like food or hotels. And then there's a big scandal. The two of them... We're basically taking bribes from food suppliers and hotel. And it was kind of, they were like, well, I mean, we're setting up these contacts for these people. Obviously, they should give us money. We're making them a lot of money. It's, you know, we're helping each other out. So it was a big scandal at the time. But they ended up going off and starting their own hotels. And that's how the Ritz-Carlton Empire came into being. But it's very, lots of social stuff that you didn't necessarily, that you wouldn't have thought about that came out of this. Um, The way we eat. Mood lighting in restaurants, you know, make sure oh. the women looked beautiful and that they wanted to come to the restaurants and entertain. Yeah, so it was really, that was a fun one. So while you were reading it, you yes. came across a paragraph about asparagus and white asparagus. Yes, and so they were among the first people, I think, to serve green asparagus okay. in London because, or pur- green or purple, um, because they had only had white. Right. Which we had just had a conversation about this. Because I went to a really wonderfully hosted dinner at one of my favorite restaurants in San Francisco called Credo and had like a um, sort of a lesson in asparagus. And the chef at Credo, he is French trained and he did a dish with both white and green asparagus. This is totally coincidental that you were reading this mm-hmm. and I was having, I think, the first time I've ever had white asparagus. So asparagus, many of you will know, grows in straw. It's kind of tricky to grow. It takes like five years to get an asparagus patch going and it can't get too damp or it will just rot and and be disgusting so it's tricky like it needs to be in a mound and it needs to have straw and and then if you don't cut like as soon as it comes up you've got to cut it or it'll go to seed it's it's finicky but white asparagus what they do is they they cover the asparagus and kind of keep it in the dark the green asparagus is because it has a chance for the chlorophyll to yeah. to produce. But white asparagus is, it's like vampire asparagus. <laughs> it's not allowed to produce the chlorophyll. Right. And so the French technique for cooking white asparagus is almost like um, in this white sauce with 
it has a little bit of flour in it, like white flour, probably chicken stock or yeah. wine. And the flavor profile between the white and the green is pretty marked when they're side by side, you know. Um, but you never see white asparagus. Never, because it really yeah. only, I mean, in the dinner that we had, everything was local except the white asparagus. So if we don't do it here, yeah. and the, they had imported it from yeah. France, then that's saying something, I yeah. think. Which I just thought was so funny because... It was when this he weird in, coincidence yeah, that I was telling Monica that about. That he brought in green asparagus, which was all crazy and different and yeah. modern. and So fun. So yeah, so I would check that one out um, if you like food. and That sounds great. Reading about sounds the like a classes. great read. So what have you been reading? Well, not too much, and I'm not sure why. I think because we've been going, going, going. But I did read Baby Teeth, which was this very creepy book. And um, I think the author is Zoji Stage. So Baby Teeth is told in from two different perspectives, mother and daughter. And the daughter is about seven years old. And the mother had a really traumatic upbringing. But she's overcome a lot. And she has, she suffers from Crohn's disease. And so that plays into her struggles and stuff. But the daughter is creepy <laughs> she's like a fresh little psychopath or oh. split personality How did you or come across this one it was recommended in my library feed i don't know really? why maybe yeah. because i read a ton of french it was definitely a psychological thriller at points i wasn't sure who to believe you know That's because the, the mother had childhood trauma and i mm-hmm. thought maybe she's unreliable like narrator. munchausen yeah. oh, where oh, you okay you know, projected an illness onto your child. So I wasn't sure what was going on and that, but the child was just so either schizophrenic or like split personality, just really weird. And I kind of just was along for the ride. Um, definitely an interesting, fast psychological thriller. Then, Then I read, um, Golden State by Ben H. Winters. What did, oh, that's the new one. Okay. Didn't you read something of his? That was the Underground Airlines. Oh. I think. But you, you didn't care for it, right? I liked it. I had issues with okay. slavery still existing. I thought. Oh, right, good. right. So this Golden State, first of all, I love the cover. It's like um, it's like an overpass in LA, like 17 different clover leaf. But the color palette is really cool and <laughs> There, there I am judging a book by its cover. The premise of it, to go back to today's Tell a Lie Day. Oh, right. The premise of the whole book is that the most important thing in this particular society, which is, so this would be considered uh, speculative fiction. Cool. Oh, yeah, I think that's his thing. Yeah. Is that society as we currently know it, nobody knew what was the truth. And so society has eroded so completely that this new state, the golden state, has formed. And it feels like it's meant to be L.A. proper. And it's walled off from the rest of the world. And it's supposed to be this utopian version where the most important thing is to know the truth. To the point where it's basically 
like a total police state. There's cameras everywhere. So it's a total police state and they're you're you're on camera everywhere you go and everything is you can be arrested for telling a lie. So that is the law. And there are all of these speculative officers who any kind of lie like, "Oh, you look great today." Mhm. Okay. And there are speculative officers who can sniff out whether or not you're lying and then they can look back through the tapes and then you're supposed to keep a log of what you did every single day and it gets sealed up in mylar and like it's just crazy so the first the first three quarters of the book were in that society and we are trying to figure that they're trying to solve a crime it's kind of a, a detective novel in this you know pseudo utopian bubble but something happens and the character, I don't, I don't want to give a lot away because I know a lot of people are going to read this, but we learn, we learn that um, the United States, they don't call it the United States. You can't read fiction novels there. It's just, it's really <sighs> interesting. I know. So at that point, you're ready, you're ready to just sort of sink into this and believe this society. But then we are transported elsewhere and you, w- the reader comes to realize that the rest of the country has had some kind of environmental disaster that has mm. disconnected our power grids. So there are still pockets of civilizations mm-hmm. within power grids, but we're not as we're not connected anymore. Okay. And so what is true in one society may not be how another society is functioning. Oh. And I think that there's they don't really talk about that there are other societies. And, you know, powerful people take advantage of power. Right. And so you see how that affects the goings on in different societies. I think he could he had an opportunity to like totally amp up the ending of this in a way that sent the the novel off the charts. And I think it ended a little bit more quietly than I was anticipating. So that's my my chief criticism of it was that the ending was there were a couple good parts about it, but it could have just vaulted you to this. I don't know how. I mean, it's not your job. His book. It's not my job. But I think it was a worthwhile read. From you know, from the Mm -hmm. today is National Tell a Lie Day to a society who places so much and. I mean, really, as we are learning, truth is in, in some cases, is very much about perspective. Yeah. So it's it's slippery. Yeah. It's a slippery little book. Sounds like a good read. Yeah, do you want it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I cleared out my library queue, so now I'm like taking stuff off of the hold, like you can pause your holds. Yeah. So I am selectively. Okay, well. So I, I am. I have three books now that I have to get through, which feels very manageable. And one of them is the one I'm reading, and I'm, I think I'm about halfway through that one. So I don't know. I just finished this this morning. That might be on you anyway. So. so I'm excited to crack open something new tonight. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things is to start a new book. It is. It is good. And I still have book three of my oh oh yeah discovery, you took a break. Is, I did take a little break. I had to just you know absorb and think about it yeah good stuff yeah so next time we are going to talk about 
meal planning. Yes. The riveting and exciting topic of how we put food in. I'm a planner, so. I'm not. So I I need to get myself together and quit winging it for at least two weeks. So you really just wing it currently. Nice. No, I I totally respect that. I could not do that. (laughs) And next time you hear all about what I did do. Well, I'm going to try to not wing it for the next two weeks because I think that it would make me a more sane person instead of a walking around the grocery store like, ooh, that looks good. I'll make that tonight. Whatever gets food on the table. That's right. On repeat. All right. So until next time, remember to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. Check us out on Instagram at craftcookread.